Hello and welcome back to the SQ Sports Podcast. This is Q, um, first podcast in a few weeks. Uh, the last podcast I did just after the trade deadline, I uh, just recapped what was a pretty busy trade deadline with the Tobias Harris trade, the lack of an Anthony Davis trade, the Bucks getting Nicole Miritich, the Raptors getting Gasol, Marcus Gasol, that is. Um, but after that, there was the All-Star break and then a bit of a just kind of a lack of real concrete news, at least. Um, obviously, I mean, there were games being played, but didn't really think there was too much to talk about. Um, like, that would really take a whole podcast. But now I think there's been enough time uh, since then that I do have enough to talk about. Um, so I'll just get right into it. I'm not going to do any segments or anything, just kind of talk about a number of different things. So I'll start with the whole Lakers debacle, whatever's going on with the Lakers. Um, they lost again last night to the Clippers, which is a game they really – I mean, they were probably already done anyway, but they really couldn't lose that if they wanted any shot of making the playoffs because they were – the Clippers were the um, – well, I guess technically they were the seven seed, but they re- the Lakers need to win any game against any of those teams that are – right now that are seven through nine, Clippers, Spurs, and the Kings, and they lost at home to the Clippers. Of course, Ingram set out, but – Still, I mean, that was a must-win game, and they lost. Um, so right now they sit at 30 and 34. They are five and a half games behind the Spurs at the eighth spot. They're two and a half behind the Kings for the ninth spot. So it's just been a whole disaster ever since – basically ever since LeBron got hurt. I mean, they were 20 and 14 at Christmas. They beat Golden State even when LeBron left the game, like 20 minutes into the game. And it seemed like – even if they weren't going to be as good as we thought they were, at worst, they'd be like the seven or eight seed. But clearly, the whole Anthony Davis thing went down, um, and it resulted in no trade happening. So the Lakers, half the team knew they were offered in a trade for one guy, but it didn't work out, so they're still there. Um, and they, they probably know that LeBron had a pretty big um, – had a lot of input to the Lakers' front office, clearly, because he's always had input for all of his front offices. So it's got to be definitely definitely has to be a weird vibe just going around that team when you know the best player on the team was basically trying to trade everyone else and you saw the play with him uh, even after the trade deadline. So they, I mean they've lost a lot of bad games even after LeBron came back. I mean I know Lonzo's still out, but I mean Lonzo Ball should not be the the breaking point between making the playoffs and missing the playoffs entirely when you have LeBron James. And I mean Ingram's been playing really well. Kuzma's been okay. Um. But, yeah, they've just been a mess. I mean, even, like, the smaller moves, like the uh, trading Zubach and Beasley, uh, Beasley doesn't matter, but Zubach for Mike Muscala, that didn't make any sense because Muscala is barely even playing. He's not very good. And I know that maybe they weren't going to keep Zubach, but, I mean, Muscala is a free agent too. They could just let Zubach walk if they really need to. Um, And I understand the fit with Muscala being a bit of a stretch four, stretch five guy, but. He's not good. He's not even with his shooting talent. I mean, I watched him all year the Sixers before he got traded. Um, I mean, he can have some nice moments here and there, but he's just not a good player, especially when it comes to protecting the rim or protecting the interior. I'll get a weak side block every once in a while, but still, like there's there was no reason to do that trade. Uh, the Reggie Bullock trade was I thought it was a decent trade for the Lakers, but I mean, it doesn't move the needle that much. He's a good shooter, but I mean, he's not like the savior for them or anything. So yeah, that was that's just been a huge, 
huge disappointment for them. Um, LeBron's, I mean, he's still putting up a lot of great numbers, but it's clear that one defensively, he's probably even worse than he's been the last two years when he already started like taking off possessions seemingly, um, for like half the game until the end of the game. And then the playoffs, he'd normally kick it up a notch, but even last year in the playoffs, I don't think he played the best defense, um, all the time, especially versus Celtics and all those road games that they lost and against the Pacers too. Um, so it's just, I mean, going into the season, it seemed like LeBron was going to try it out with the young guys. And if not, they were going to sign. I mean, they still had all the flexibility this upcoming summer to sign one of the big names. Obviously, Kawhi was tied to them. They didn't get a trade done. Um, they didn't get Paul George last year. But this year, it's like I'm having a tough time seeing any of the big free agents really going there. I mean, I don't think Durant. I think Durant's either the Warriors or the Knicks. I think for Kawhi, it's either the Clippers or the Raptors. Um, Clay Thompson's probably the war. I mean, I guess if Clay Thompson were to leave, it'd be the Lakers, but I think he's going to stay with the Warriors. I don't know why they wouldn't pay him uh, what he wants because it seemed like they're going to give him the max, which makes sense because he's one of their best players ever and he's still in his prime. Um, maybe DeMarcus Cousins, but even then, like, um, we're not really sure if he's still like that caliber player. I mean, he's been pretty good in his return, but still, like, not not really what he was and even if he was I don't think that pushes the needle that much 35 year old LeBron and DeMarcus Cousins who never really played defense anyway and now he really doesn't play defense because of his uh lack of athleticism and I'm trying to think who what other free agents Bledsoe is now locked up they wouldn't really get to go for a point guard anyway um I don't think Butler would go there and even if he did I think Butler's staying in the first place but even if Butler were to leave for the Lakers, I don't think him and LeBron would be a great fit um, because Butler's not really – I mean, Butler can play off the ball, but he's not the ideal off-the-ball player LeBron wants. LeBron wants more of a spot-up shooter, not like a cutter because they already tried the whole cutting thing this year, and they just resort to iso ball every time. Um, and, and, I mean, Tobias Harris is probably going to stay. I'm trying to think who are the – what other free agents there would be that would really go to the Lakers. I mean – I guess there's still the AD thing, but the only way they get him this summer is if they um, trade. I mean, they have to trade pieces for him. And would they really want to trade Ingram now for AD after everything that happened? I mean, Ingram's playing pretty well. I guess Kyrie, oh, I forgot to mention Kyrie Irving. I guess Kyrie Irving still could go there because now it seems like him and LeBron are on good terms, whatever. I mean, that's that's a whole other situation itself. But I still, I still wouldn't put – I'd put more money on Kyrie going to the Knicks than the Lakers. So, yeah, that whole situation is just becoming a mess. And if they don't get AD, even if they get AD, I mean, the roster around LeBron and AD probably wouldn't be great. LeBron would really need to step it up on defense again. Um, because, I mean, AD hasn't been able to – the Pelicans didn't have that bad of a roster. I mean, they were injured a lot this year, but Meritage, Randall, and Holiday are all pretty good. Holiday's really good. And they're still able to win games without him right now. So I think AD is just – kind of that type of player where he might be like the fifth most talented player, but he still can't be the best player on a championship team because you really just kind of need someone who can handle the ball and he can handle the ball, but he's not really like a a playmaker. So it's a bit of a, it's a weird dynamic there. It's kind of just like how any, like Dwight Howard couldn't be the best player on championship team. Although I guess they almost did win the final. They weren't really that close to winning it, but they were in the finals. 
So that's just a weird situation. But the Pelicans should be better, and they're still competitive. And I mean, they beat the Lakers um, without AD. So LeBron and AD, and then whatever they can get for like the mid level and free agency, and then whatever they keep from that trade. I mean, I don't know how much, how much, how great of a team that would be in the West. Plus, they're gonna. I mean, there was a report yesterday from Mark Stein that they're going, um, that they are likely to fire Luke Walton, which makes sense because it's just not working out. His rotations are really weird. He runs a lot of non-shooting lineups. He takes out Kuzma whenever he's hot. Um, it's just, it's just been a disaster. <laughs> um, and I can't say I'm, I'm not enjoying it, but I mean, I'm not like, I don't care that much that I'm like happy about it. Although I, I, I mean, if you wanted to win, LeBron probably would have came to the Sixers, but that's a, that's a different story because clearly it wasn't a hundred percent of basketball decision. Um, also according to basketball reference, they have a 0.1% chance to make the playoffs. So yeah, they're done. They're not making the playoffs. So then there's the question about whether the Lakers should um, rest LeBron throughout the rest of the season, especially if that um, groin injury is still bothering him, which it might, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's still putting up amazing offensive numbers. He's just, it's just, it's just not working out. There's a lot of bad body language. LeBron's like, he'll give give it a, uh, give it a, give up an open three, and then, like, look at his teammate asking where his teammate was. Like, I mean, that's your man. I don't know. I mean, they lost to the Grizzlies. They lost to the Knicks. They lost to the Cavs. They lost to the Clippers twice. I want to say. Now they beat the Clippers the first game with LeBron back, but then they lost last night. Uh, they lost to the Pelicans. It's just, and they're very close to being um, 28 and 36. That Rondo game winner, insane game winning shot that I don't even know how he made against Boston. And then uh, the big comeback against Houston. I, I mean, if, the, if those two things were very close to not happening. So they were very close to being 28 and 36. And at that point, they'd be worse than New Orleans uh, and Minnesota. So they'd be looking at like a top seven pick, which maybe, honestly, is probably best for them right now rather than making the playoffs um it's kind of embarrassing that it got to that but at this point would getting swept by the Warriors in the first round really be that much better than um getting a the 10th pick in this year's draft especially if they're going to try to trade for AD still or trade for anybody else I mean I remember at the beginning of the season um when all those Wizards trades rumors were coming around and people linked Bradley Beal to the Lakers which I mean in terms of like value trading Ingram and Lonzo and a pick or whatever, and two picks for Bradley Beal and whatever salary filler, whatever else they would need, kind of makes sense because Beal is like the perfect second star to put next to LeBron. Um, he's kind of like Kyrie, but six five, and probably not as good as a ball handler, but probably a better shooter. Um, and he's been a really good off-ball player, and he's been carrying the Wizards. I mean, the Wizards aren't good, so I guess he's not really carrying them, but they should be worse than twenty six and thirty seven, given the rest of this roster and given the injuries that they've had. Um, and Beals kept them in a lot of games. So, like, I know a lot of people dismissed that trade with the Lakers for Beal, but, I mean, if they don't get AD, I'll I follow them. I mean, if they really want to go all in with LeBron, I would just trade, try to trade for Beal and take on one of Washington's bad salaries um, to try to, you know, lessen the, the blow of what you have, whatever you had to give up. But, yeah, that whole situation is just a mess. I'm not sure who they're go- if they do fire Luke Walden, which is likely. I don't know who they're going to, going to hire. Um, I saw Ty Lue's name, which would be hilarious. Um, I don't think they're going to bring back David Blatt. Not bring back. Um, 
just bring in David Blatt after what happened with the Cavs. Um, Fizdale's been hired, who I know LeBron liked. Uh, Coach Bud's not going to – he's not leaving. I'm trying to – like I don't even know who else would be there. I guess one of the assistants, like Messina or something from San Antonio, or some assistant that nobody knows about. Maybe they try Mike Brown for the second time and for the second time with LeBron and the second time for the Lakers in general. But um, it's looking bleak. I mean, obviously – I mean, looking back, would it have been better if they just would have gone all in on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Probably. Paul George is having the best year of his career. Um, and he probably wanted to go there. And then, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's obviously Kawhi Leonard, and he wanted to go there. So that duo, even just getting one of them over LeBron at this point would be better just because they're both in their 20s. Kawhi's only 26 or 27. So he's got a lot of years left. And it's clear that the injury didn't take anything away from him. Although he is still sitting a lot, which is kind of weird. <clears throat> but um, obviously, like if you can get LeBron, you do everything to get LeBron. At least that was the look last summer. But if he's really going to do this whole like the GM thing, and he's not going to play any defense, and it seems like it's not entirely a basketball decision, then maybe it wasn't the best thing for their franchise. But obviously, I think when they signed him, they had a different uh, idea of how the season would go. They probably thought they had a better chance of getting Kawhi Leonard. And also, but I mean, a lot of it's on the front office. I mean, those those signings that they made. One, even if they got those guys, it's not just that they got those guys. Part of it is that they signed them like an hour after they got LeBron, and I I didn't understand that at all. Rondo was still going to be there in two weeks after he signed that. Uh, Stevenson was, Javale McGee was, Michael Beasley was. It just made no sense why they signed all these guys who are not good fits LeBron. I guess they were trying to do that whole, like, we're going to get a bunch of athletic playmakers around LeBron, but that doesn't, I mean, at the end of the day, even if LeBron doesn't want to play like that, LeBron shooters works a lot better than LeBron and playmakers. Um, and they miss, I mean, KCP, they signed KCP immediately after they got LeBron. KCP's part of clutch. I mean, you can connect those dots. Um, and he's been, you know, very average for the last two years. So I don't really think he was worth 12 million in last year's market. There's had, I mean, there are a number of shooters, obviously Brooke Lopez, they let him walk and he's, he would be the ideal center to put next to LeBron. See, it's just, it's just becoming a, it's just, a, it's a big mess in, um, in LA, especially now that the Clippers, the Clippers traded their best player or at least their best offensive player. And I'd say Tobias was their best player. They traded him and Avery Bradley, and Boban, and Mike Scott. And seemingly because they were like, all right, we're going to – we won our pick this year because if we give it up next year – if we give up our pick this year, then if we get Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant next summer, then our pick's going to be terrible. So the one that we keep isn't going to be good. So they wanted their lot of protected pick, but they just kept winning. Um, Shamit's been really good. And the Clippers, like – even when the Clippers were good a few years ago, it seemed like they were kind of a mess. Um, with like all the weird chemistry stuff with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and the fact that they can never get to the conference finals, even though they were super talented and all the injuries and stuff and the weird way that um, that big three and I guess Redick all left. The whole team's different. I mean, the whole team's different now. But in like a year and a half, Jerry West has just made them like one of the best, one of the most well-run franchises. Like Doc Rivers really showing it how good of a coach he is. I mean, he was always a good coach. It was just, you know, just that was, I mean, 
I don't know, it was just it was a weird like first four years with the Clippers for him. Um, but he's shown to be a really good coach. They're developing all these guys like Montrose Harrell's playing really well. Shea Gilgis was a really good pick. Uh, Shamit's been balling out. They got Zubac from the Lakers, so they weren't even trying to make the playoffs, and they're going to make it handily over the Lakers, which is pretty pretty ironic. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's all I got to say about the Lakers at this point. We'll see if they shut down LeBron. Um, Kuzma got hurt on last night on Monday and Ingram sat and there's no, I mean, at this point, are they even going to bring back Lonzo? Probably not. So it's just, it's just not looking good (laughs) for the Lakers. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I guess we can tell if the lottery is rigged this year, if they get the number one pick, because if they do, then they're going to have AD and basically the whole team that they have now, which would be the best case for them. But I mean, that's obviously very unlikely. Uh, so I'll move on to the struggling Boston, uh, Boston Celtics. And I said a few weeks ago, I said I thought they were going to figure out, figure it out. And it seemed like they did. I mean, they beat the Sixers because they always beat the Sixers. Um, and they had, a, they had a pretty good win against the Raptors shortly before that. And then they came out of the break. Um, they struggled a bit going into the break, but they still had, you know, they were still seemingly okay. And then they nearly beat the Bucks on the road. And then it's just been a, a whirlwind ever since then. They've lost <clears> – ah, <throat> uh, let me find who they've lost. I know they lost to the Lakers, obviously, on the trade deadline night. Um, they lost to the Clippers. They had a 28-point lead, and they lost by 11 to the Clippers. Um, they lost to the Bulls. They lost to the Rockets. They lost to the Blazers. They lost to the Raptors by, like, by 23 points. Um, and it's just, it's just been weird because it's like they have all this talent, but then Kyrie's saying all these weird things in the media, and then today Jalen Brown said the locker room is toxic, which, I mean, that's pretty blunt to say that. Um, it just seems like there's a, a everyone's on on not on the same page. When last year, they somehow rallied, missing their two at least highest paid players. Um, and they became, they came within like two minutes of making the NBA finals. And they were, they were up three to two in that series. And, and you just think like this team, the way the Celtics, the way Stevens runs the offense, the way that Al Horford's super unselfish, Gordon Hayward's never been like a, a ball hog or anything. I mean, Kyrie kind of is, but he's shown, he showed last year that he fit perfectly fine to that system. So that's why it was, it was just weird that, they kind of struggled out of the gate and then they had a pretty easy stretch where they went, I think 25 and nine. Um, but then they started to falter a little bit. Then those weird Kyrie comments about how he's going to kind of backed off on the commitment to resign that he made in October. And then obviously like they weren't going to trade for AD, but apparently it was made clear to the Pelicans that all the, everyone was available, which I mean, I don't know why that that would get out. Maybe it was the Pelicans leaked it, probably. But um, a lot of just, I mean, Marcus Mort's kind of fallen off a cliff. Terry Rozier has just been bad all year after a really good playoff run. And apparently they were kind of close to trading him to the Suns, but that was according to Zach Lowe. Um, But there was some protection thing, that uh, some pick protections that they couldn't agree on, so it didn't happen. 
And it, it kind of makes sense what's happening. I mean, Horford's probably taking a step back this year. He can still, like, turn it on sometimes, and obviously he dominates Embiid, which is just the best. Um, but he's he's probably taking a bit of a step back, especially after that insane playoff run that he made. Uh, Jalen Brown and Tatum haven't really t- taken a big step. I mean, they've been – Tatum's, I think, his, his struggles have been overblown a little bit. He had a really – efficient rookie year which I mean most rookies are pretty inefficient but he was also like just kind of in a complimentary role and this year he's still kind of in that role but it's just like an elevated role I don't really know how to explain that um, the Hayward injury is really thrown off everyone the Hayward struggle to come back to what he was has really just thrown off everything um, and Jalen Brown started the season ice cold from three he's been a little bit better lately but he's still not like you know he hasn't been like dominating or anything um, and it seems like everyone on the team is kind of questioning what's going to happen next. So that makes me think that either they know that Kyrie's leaving or there's some like really serious distrust with the front office, which kind of makes sense because I mean, the Celtics players, players and picks for the Celtics have always been seen as just assets. Like they will, they're not afraid to trade anyone, even if they're good. Um, I mean, the Isaiah Thomas trade was, I mean, you make that trade every day of the week, but a lot of people seem to be um, turned off by that just because of how close that team was in 2017 and the way he played, especially with this, um, the whole situation with his sister and stuff. And then he got hurt and he played through it. Um, but it's, it's just, it just seems like everyone's not on the same page the way they were last year. Last year, it seemed like a super tight locker and they made all those big comebacks and they had a really good defense. And this year, like, I mean, they still have, like, one of the better net ratings and stuff. So it seems like, I mean, they should probably be, like, what are they, 36 and 38 and 25, 38 and 26? Um, they should probably be, like, 45 and whatever. They should have, like, 45 wins right now. Um, they, I mean, honestly, on paper, they should be the best team in the East, even with the Bucks. I mean, they know the Bucks have a new coach and everything, and they've been just playing out of their minds. But they still have a better overall roster than the Bucks. And they have a better overall roster than Toronto and Philly. So, and they should be way in front of Indiana. Even, I mean, Indiana, the way they've played is pretty unbelievable. Um, given how important Old Depot was last year and at the beginning of this year. But um, they should still be ahead of them. And it shouldn't even be close between them and Orlando and them and Brooklyn and Detroit. Because um, they're only six games ahead of Detroit and Brooklyn, which is just wild uh think about it, especially considering the nets and the celtics history um with that trade although i'm still not going to count them out um in the playoffs because one Kyrie's just proven to be an unbelievable playoff performer and he's still playing pretty well for the most part and maybe it's just ptsd from last year and then they have like one of the what top they have a top three coach in the NBA and they seem, they still have the most talent, probably most overall talent, like one through 10. They have, I mean, there's no like below average NBA players. I don't think unless maybe you consider Rozier that now, but at least at points at points in his career, he's shown that he can be an above average player. So I'm not going to completely count them out, but I, I'm, it is weird that it's dragged this long into the season. Um, even like, even if you told me before the season that Hayward wasn't going to play that well, I would still think, given how they played last year, they'd still be like close to 50 wins right now. Um, 
And right now they're slotted to play the Sixers in the playoffs as the four five matchup. So that's that wouldn't be good. Um March twenty eighth will be really telling into how that whole dynamic has changed because if the Sixers lose again, I'm gonna lose all hope in that team. But uh so that's basically all I have to say with the Celtics. Who do they play tonight? They play I know they play the Warriors this week. They might play the Warriors tonight. Um what's today? They play the Nuggets. Oh, I'm looking at the Lakers. Excuse me. Um, I know they, they have a West Coast trip. They're playing. Oh, yeah. Tonight they play the Warriors at 10:30. Then they play the Kings, Lakers, um, Clippers, Kings again, the Hawks, who have played really well lately, um, the Nuggets, Sixers, Hornets, Spurs, Cavs, Pacers, Nets, Heat, Heat again, Pacers, Magic, Wizards. So really, the only like gimmies i would say on that um on the remainder of their schedule will be cleveland on the 26th and washington to end the season on the 9th and then i guess maybe orlando i mean they've lost orlando twice um the pacers obviously aren't going down without a fight miami they lost miami but i mean i, I they'll probably win one of those two games um i mean the spurs are a tough team the hornets still have kemba the hornets beat them early in the season um and the Kings have just shown that they clearly belong with at least, you know, the bottom tier of Western Conference playoff teams. So, I mean, there's a – they'd have to um, – excuse me. They'd have to go 14-6 and six to win 50 games. And last year I think they won 55. So that'd be just a – that'd be pretty wild just to see that. But, again, I'm still not going to count them out because every time I do – they make some insane comeback or Brad Stevens just figures it out um, much to my dismay. So that's all I'm going to say about the Celtics, but I will say I'm very surprised that it's still happening um, almost um, over a month after those comments from Kyrie. So now I guess I'll stay a little bit on the Celtics. I'll shift to the Eastern conference playoff race, especially the top four or five teams. Um, I guess I'll start with Indiana. Just because I know Indiana is a three seed right now. And um, they're playing just really good team basketball. Like they're playing just the definition of like Indiana Hoosier basketball. Um, their last ten, they're six and four. I mean, twenty four and nine at home, forty one and twenty three in the year. Um, but as much as I like will acknowledge how well they've played, I just don't think they could win a playoff series against any of the top. Um, the top two seeds in the Sixers and Celtics, I just don't think they could be any of them just without that star to go to um, like late in the game. I mean, Bogdanovich played really well. Miles Turner's played really well. Sabonis has played really well. Thad Young has played really well. But you can't re- just solely rely on them, every one of them, for in a seven-game playoff series. So if they can get the three seed, though, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them to beat the Pistons and the Nets or the Magic. And then if the Celtics keep faltering the way they have, then maybe they could beat the Celtics. But... I would have faith in the Sixers to beat him because the Sixers did beat him on the road twice. Um, pretty hand, especially the second time, pretty handedly. And they had Oladipo both of those games. Um, but I'll start with the Bucks, even though they lost to the Suns at home last night or on the road last night. But they had, they already lost once to the Suns at home. Um, so that was a weird – I think it was just a fluky game. I mean, they shot super poorly from three when the whole year they've shot really well from three. And the, the system that Buttonholzer has brought, obviously – I mean, anybody could have seen that last year when they just had Middleton and Jabari Parker taking all those stupid mid-range. 
uh, mid-range shots when they had Prunty and Jason Kidd. And, I mean, for that ro- – I mean, the roster didn't change that much. Brooke Lopez obviously was a great pickup. And, um, I mean, Sterling Brown has picked it up this year. And a lot of just – and Bledsoe has picked it up again. And, you know, Miritich is a good pickup. But, I mean – they didn't make that big of a roster turn. They didn't have that big of a roster turnover, and Giannis didn't get that much. I mean, he got better, which is still pretty insane, but he didn't get that much better. Or it's like, oh my god, it makes sense that they're forty-eight and sixteen. But if you watch them, it does because they play. Su- they're just super in sync. Malcolm Brogdon's like really, honestly, super underrated. I mean, I know he won Rookie of the Year, but then everybody kind of forgot about him because it was that year when um, the whole draft class sucked, and then B got hurt halfway through, and then. Sarge didn't really pick it up until the end. Brogdon kind of just won by default. But he's he's super fish. He's like a 50-40-90 guy. And he plays pretty solid defense. Um, Bledsoe's finally figured out how to play again because last year he just wasn't very good. He was okay during the regular season. And then the playoffs, he was just awful. Um, Middleton has fallen off after a super hot start. But, I mean, he's still really – he's a great shooter, create his own shot, and he plays perfectly fine defense, which is just what you want next to Giannis. Um, and Brooke Lopez has obviously been amazing as a super stretch five rather than just someone who scores down low like he used to be with the Nets. So, yeah, just the, the, the way they play is really interesting, especially with Giannis, um, especially because he hasn't he shot super poorly from three this year. I know he picked it up a little bit in February, but he's been in, like, the 20s all year when it seemed like um, he might have started to turn a corner a little bit last year. I mean, he's still a really good free throw shooter. And doesn't, he's still a super efficient offensive player just because literally no one can stop him um, like 10 feet and in. And his mid-range is okay. I think it's passable or he can still kill you from out there. Um, so I think he's ascended into like a top – probably this year probably top three player um, for this season alone at least. And then overall probably top five or six. Although I do question in the playoffs whether that um, the whole shooters around Giannis thing can consistently work because we've seen it a few times where it seems like as little as we want it to work, like just having some guy who can get their own bucket in isolation usually kind of prevails in the playoffs. Like the Rockets made, they nearly beat the Warriors last year a lot because a lot of the the fact because um, Harden was just killing them in the first few games until he kind of flamed out at the end, and then Chris Paul was killing them in the pick and roll. And having that like motion offense is great in the regular season, but when defenses have chance have a chance to scout it, we saw it with the Sixers last year. Um, when the Sixers went on a big streak at the end, is because Embiid went out, and then they were playing Simmons with basically Ilyasova, Bellinelli, Redick, and um, Covington and Sarge rather than a. Uh, Bellinelli and it was working but then in the playoffs like after the Miami series Boston kind of exposed that with the way they rotate um and then not having a shot creator really hurt but they do have a shot creator Middleton and Bledsoe can go off the dribble and Giannis can obviously go off the dribble it's just Giannis can't really go off the dribble and shoot um so I am curious if that'll still work in the playoffs but I don't think it's I mean I think they're easily gonna win their first round series against either the Magic or the Hornets or the Nets um or I guess the Heat because the Heat are tied for eighth. But I could see them having problems with a team like Toronto or maybe maybe Philly, but we'll see about that. I mean, they haven't, the Sixers haven't really had a chance to play with their 
their new four that much or their new starting five because Embiid hasn't played after the break. Um, but the Raptors have started picking up again lately. Gasol's been pretty good for them. Kyle Lowry's finally figuring out after that super cold stretch. He had like a cold 35 games, I think, where he was in like the low 30s for three-point percentage, and he's always been close to 40% on a lot of attempts. So that was weird, and it seems like he – I mean, he probably has lost step. He's 33. Um, so it makes sense. People always forget how old he is just because he was the late bloomer. Um, and he played a few years in college, so he was a really late bloomer. But I think they've started to figure it out, although I still think they – it's just something seems off about it. But then again, having Kawhi just kind of alleviates any concern you can have about that because he's been money in the playoffs. He's already won finals MVP, and he was only getting better. I mean, he was killing – killing the Warriors, the Rockets, and the Grizzlies in 2017. I feel like a lot of people forgot about that because of uh, whatever happened last year with the all the drama and him leaving. Um, and then you have Philly, who it's just, uh, it's just a whirlwind every year. Like, I, I mean, I think Tobias Harris was an amazing pickup, honestly. Like, he's, he's been a perfect fit. Def- defensively, I was told – I mean, I never watched him that much on the Clippers and the Pistons and the Magic and the Bucks um, just because I didn't always catch those games. And then when he went to the Clippers, it's like I'm, I'm not up. I'm not um, awake during those games, during most of those games. But I was told he was a terrible defender. Maybe he's improved this year alone, but he's been perfectly fine to me. I mean, he's super strong. He doesn't look, like, jacked or anything, but he's I – mean, He's he's very big. Like, he doesn't look like it, but he's definitely one of those guys that doesn't look like he's six ten, but he really is. Um, so defensively, he's been fine. Offensively, he's been amazing. He's been knocking down his threes. He's been getting to the rim. He's been just he's fit perfectly into the offense a lot better than Butler did, which makes sense because he's a better shooter, and the Sixers really need shooting next to Simmons. But um, and he just seems like a really good locker room guy. He's just been perfect. Um, they haven't really had a center for like a week and a half now. Um, Bolden, Jonah Bolden has stepped up a little bit. He played really well against the Warriors, but he fouls way too much. Um, the reason that they almost won the Pelicans game is because they were running Mike Scott at the five because they had no one else, and Boban got hurt at the end. Um, Boban's been pretty good too, although anytime he has to be put into a pick and roll, it's kind of kind of game over. Um, and Butler's shooting has gone really cold, and Redick has gone really cold. I think a lot of Redick's um, shooting struggle has been because Embiid has not played since the break, and they—I mean—they have a really good two-man game going on, especially with that dribble handoff. Redick can either pull up, and then if he sees Embiid open, he's a good enough passer to hit him. That's basically an automatic bucket. Uh, but he's gone cold because he doesn't really have those opportunities anymore. And um, the bench has so been shaky. Mike Scott was a, has been really playing well. I mean, he had six threes versus Golden State. Um, a lot of big threes against New Orleans and Oklahoma City. And he's he's starting to fit really well as that stretch four guy that they really wanted Wilson Chandler to be. And Wilson Chandler kind of was, but he wasn't as good of a volume three-point shooter as Mike Scott is. And Mike's, his defense has been good, too, as long as he doesn't have to play the five, which he's had to a little bit because um, they don't really want to put Simmons to the five because that's kind of wasting his defensive talents. Because he's better as just a super switchy guy who can guard one through four, and then he can guard five if he really has to, but you know, it doesn't, it's not ideal. So, I mean, Embiid getting back, I mean, it's kind of hard to say right now. Embiid's still not playing tonight versus Orlando. He probably won't play tomorrow either. And they said it's precautionary, so I'm not, like, worried about it. But there's still a lot of chemistry to be figured out 
and having him be these past five games would have been good for working that out. But um, like I could see them losing in the first round, or I could see them like rolling on their way to the finals. Like it's just that's how big of a range it is. As long as they can, if they could have found another backup center, I think that would have been really good because as much as I like Boban. It's just sometimes he's the matchup is so bad that he can't play, even given his size. Um, he just can't stay on the court. And then we saw that in the Blazers game when I think Nurkic had like 25 and Kander had like 20. And they were just – I mean, every single bucket was just down low over and over and over. They made like three threes and they won by 25 points, I think, or 20 points. Um, so those four teams right there in Boston, I guess, um, are the real – the main four and then Indiana will give anybody trouble, but I just don't see them going very far. Um, Brooklyn has, they had a super hot stretch. I think they were like 25 and five during one stretch to get them into the playoff hunt and they're going to make the playoffs. Um, but then they, they dropped a number of games and then last night they beat Dallas by 38, I think. So they're, they're going to be pretty good. They just have a super, like they're a very annoying team to guard because they have so many crafty ball handlers. And then they find all these like wings that can kind of handle the ball, but they're also like amazing spot up shooters, like Joe Harris. Um, and Demar Carroll's been shooting well, and Jared Allen's really one of the most underrated young players because he's kind of just if you don't, if you're not going to have a star center right now, he's kind of exactly what you want—just a guy that will shoot over sixty percent from the field, will block shots, and he'll move around on defense, which is all you want if you're not if your center isn't going to be like a high usage guy. Um, and Ed Davis has been good and D'Angelo Russell has obviously blossomed, which I don't know if a lot of people saw that coming, but as soon as, um, Karis LeVert went out, he just, he was playing out of his mind. He had super tough shots. I mean, it might be a little bit fluky cause he's hitting a lot of contested shots, but I mean, I, I could, I could see the talent in there. I mean, he was a number two pick for a reason and he's had a lot of injuries and he's been in a really a weird environment in LA and then last year he started out the season really well and then he got hurt for like two months um so it's good to see him finally break out I mean he's an all-star Detroit's picked it up too because Reggie Jackson has played very well lately which I didn't see coming because he's just been bad since like 2016 <clears throat> but I still I don't think they can beat any of these teams really I mean maybe if they get the sixth seed and then the Pacers hold at three then Maybe they can knock off Indiana, but they're not being any of the other four. And the Magic have actually been playing really well, which is kind of nice to see. I think I was kind of surprised Vucevic stayed, um, and they got Fultz, but he's, I don't think he's got to play. So they kind of – I mean, Simmons hasn't been good. Jonathan Simmons wasn't good for them, but he was still a rotational guy, so they traded him for a guy that isn't playing, but they're still playing pretty well. Um, Terrence Ross has been amazing for them this year. And Aaron Gordon's still doing Aaron Gordon things. He still hasn't taken the leap. I thought he would. Um, but he's still I mean, he's still pretty good. Jonathan Isaac's a really good defender, and he's starting to hit his shots a little bit. So, if he, I mean, the way he defends, he could be one of those guys that's like kind of like a Draymond Green type, but probably a little more – a little less of a interior presence, but a bit more of a switchable guy who can guard all five positions. And then the Hornets – are just the definition of mediocre. I mean, right now they're kind of – the fact that they're still in it just shows how bad the bottom of the East is because they're 29-34 to 34 and they're technically tied for eighth. And same with Miami. Miami's just so average. 
And the Wizards, Hawks, Bulls, Cavs, and Knicks are just they're just done. They're 100. percent I mean, I guess the Wizards aren't completely done. They're three games out behind Orlando for the A spot, um, tied with the Hornets and the Heat. But or they're not they're not tied with the Hornets and the Heat. They're three games behind the Magic, Hornets, and the Heat. But uh, just they just they're just the whole situation just sucks. Um, so I don't think they're going anywhere. But that's really all I'd say about the East. Yeah, I'd still say the Western Conference is better overall because, I mean, even the Grizzlies who are the 14th seed. I mean, the Grizzlies are 25 and 40. Sheesh. But they can still beat any team because they have Gasol. Or, I mean, they don't have Gasol anymore, but they have Conley and they have um, what well, Jaron Jackson's out. Yeah, actually, the Grizzlies are pretty bad now. Just all the injuries and Valanciunas isn't going to help them out too much this year and neither is DeLon Wright. But um, Dallas, like Dallas, they still have Luka Doncic. They have Dorian Finney-Smith. They just have a bunch of guys who can play. So even if they're 27 and 36, I mean, they're still going to give you a run. And But the top of the – I think the top of the conference is, I mean, the East is – the top five in the East is probably better than the top five in the West outside of Golden State. Um, like I think if the Nuggets were in the East, they'd probably be the three or the four seed comfortably behind the two seed. I'd say the Raptors are a lot better than the Nuggets. Um, although the Nuggets are really good. So we'll see about that. Um, so I'll move on. I want to talk about, uh, the award races as we are, uh, March is in full swing now. So I think it's appropriate time where basically all the award races, the main three or four candidates for each award are pretty much set in stone. Um, I'll start with MVP. I think it is Harden this year, although it's a lot closer than it was last year. I know a lot of people pushed for LeBron last year. I could have, I could, there's an argument for LeBron to win last year. I think the way Harden just carry that team, especially because Chris Paul last year missed a lot of games. I feel like a lot of people forgot that, and they won 65 games in the West. Um, the way he played last year was unbelievable, and the way he's playing this year is even better. I mean, what is he averaging, 36 a game? Um, care, I mean, Chris Paul and Capella were both out for a while, and they stayed afloat, and I think they're the five seed, four or five seed. Right now they're the five seed. They're only one game behind the three seed. And I think, I mean, they beat Golden State. They're three and over for Golden State. He had that amazing game in Golden State um, in January with the game winner over Draymond. After that awful call, um, he had the the thirty point game streak that just ended because he finished like twenty eight. Um, just a number of tri- just triple doubles. It's just it, the way the way he's scoring this year. I know a lot of people hate it, but I, don't, I mean I don't really mind it that much. Maybe because I'm a um, Embiid fan, so like I can kind of appreciate guys who draw fouls at least when they're on my team, but. I mean, 36.7 points a game is insane. And I know his assists are a little bit down. He's only at 7.6 only. But he's shooting 13 threes a game. And he's shooting them efficiently at 36%. And, I mean, that roster is just – it's just been such a mess all year with all the injuries. And then beginning of the season, even when they were healthy, they were kind of, you know, faltering a little bit. Um, Eric Gordon's been super streaky this year. P.J. Tucker's been really good. But they lost a reason, Mbaba Mute. I know a lot of people were overrating Reza a little bit last year, but he's still like a really versatile player, at least for them. And he fit the system really well. But um, for Harden to have a 62% true shooting when you're shooting 25 times a game is insane. Like, it doesn't even make any sense. And his defense hasn't even been bad. I mean, sometimes we'll get lazy. Which kind of makes sense, but you should—I mean, you should never be lazy. But it makes sense if he's going to be lazy because there's—he has such an offensive load to carry. 
and he's super durable. He's durable every year. I mean, last year he only missed missed nine games. That was the lowest. That was the most he's ever missed. Excuse me. Uh, that was the lowest he's ever missed. I mean, I guess he only played technically 62 in the lockout year, but, you know, that's only four games. Every other year he's played at least 73, 76, 82, 78, 73, 81, 82, 81. And then this year he's played every game. Or he's played – he's missed, I think, one game. So his durability is amazing, and the continued production is amazing. I mean, he's got a – when was the last time somebody scored over 33? I think it was Kobe, right? In 2006, I mean, Westbrook was close the year that he won MVP. And then in 06, Kobe, I think, scored 35 a game. And Harden's going to beat that this year with a a lot of assists and a lot of – I mean, still getting six rebounds a game, almost seven rebounds a game. <clears throat> so, yeah, right now I'd say I put him over Giannis, but that's not related to Mendes Giannis. That's more just Harden's having an all-time great season. But Giannis has been amazing, especially on defense. Um, a lot of people forget how good of a defender he is. He's like a, basically a – like an amazing rim protector who also guards the wing really well. Like Draymond Green is a good interior defender who defends all five positions. Giannis defends all five positions and he's a, like a center, basically. Like his position on basketball reference, his position just says shooting guard and point guard and small forward and power forward. But defensively, he basically plays a five because Brook Lopez kind of just hangs around a little bit, but Giannis will really just. I mean, he's averaging 1.5 blocks a game. <laughs> like, it doesn't even make any sense the way he plays. And he's averaging six assists this year, which is just amazing. So, I mean, if Giannis won, I'd say it's, like, really close, but I'd, I'd still give the edge to Harden just because of this, uh, the situation he's been put in. But Giannis is really – it's just – I mean, I, I don't know who would have thought this. It's just 13. <laughs> and he's just turned 24, which is just terrifying. Um. And, I mean, Paul George is still kind of in it. Paul George has been amazing. And it kind of sucks that it came in a year where two other guys have been even better. But um, 28.6 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and he's shooting 39% from three. And with, with his defense, which has always been really good, but he's just really fit in perfectly to that defense this year. Um, he's made himself – he's differentiated himself as clearly the number one option on that team, which – Pretty tough to do, given how much Westbrook likes to shoot. Um, but they're they're just a perfect match, and he's averaging his career high in assists, his career high in rebounds, and his career high in points by a lot, by five points. Um, I know now he's hurt for he might be this injury that he's having right now with the shoulder might effectively end whatever little, the little chance he had left to um, win an MVP um, because he's been out for about a week. He's out tonight again. But, yeah, I just figured I'd mention Paul George's historic season because it seems like a lot of people kind of thought he peaked and he was going to ride out this peak for, like, three or four years, but he's just he's just taken it to another level. And he's hitting clutch shots. I know that was always, like, the joke was that he had that Gatorade commercial where he says, like, no overtime tonight, but then he, apparently he had never hit a shot um, in the last, like, 10 seconds of a game to go ahead, which is funny. But this year he's hit, like, three. Um, he had that insane floater last week over the Jazz. He had that crazy four-point play over Butler on um, in Philly, and then he hit that that game where they came back down from like 27 points versus Brooklyn. He hit that game winner off the inbound. So Paul George has, yeah, he's definitely been a top four player this year, and probably top three. So I'll move on to Rookie of the Year. I think it's kind of over Rookie of the Year. It's it's going to be Doncic, but 
other players have made pretty good cases at least lately. But Doncic is averaging 21 points, seven rebounds, and five and a half assists. Um, shooting's dipped down a little bit. He's down to 35% from three, but I mean, he's taking <clears throat> seven threes a game as a rookie, shooting 35%. That's pretty impressive. Um, and without him, Dallas would probably be the worst team in the NBA, especially after that Porzingis trade. But they also they probably wouldn't make that Porzingis trade. Didn't have a uh, Luca. But yeah, he's any. I never understood the people who were like, "Yeah, he's not gonna." I didn't think he was gonna be this good this fast, but I never understood the people who didn't really see that he was the best player. I mean, I was saying that the whole time, and I really wanted Phoenix to take him because I felt felt like it'd be easier to get Luca and like a just a solid center than it is to take. Then I feel I feel like it would be better to take Luca and then sign a decent center last year in free agency, or go super hard for Clint Capella and restrict your free agency rather than just take DeAndre Ayton. I mean, DeAndre Ayton's good. Um, but they have a major issue getting him the ball. And there are obviously the effort issues. I mean, his defense is, like, when he locks in, he's, he's an amazing player, Ayton. But it seems like a lot of times he's not really all the way there. And then, um, But still, I mean, 16 and six, or 16 points and 10 rebounds as a rookie is pretty, pretty impressive um, when you're only 20 years old. But still, I think Doncic is definitely the number one right now. And then Trey Young, out of no, I'm not out of nowhere because everyone talked about him a lot. But um, he was like a 27%, I think, from three at one point in the season in like January. And now he's up to 35, 34%. And in the last like three weeks, he's had some insane performances. Like it doesn't even make any sense how he's able to hit these shots and the way he's able to get into the rim. Get, well, he's able to get to the rim despite being, what, 6'2", 180, and he's probably not even 6'2", for being honest. Um, But ever since January 26th, he's averaging 24 points, 9 assists, and he's shooting 43% from three on seven attempts. That's insane. Um, He still turns it over a lot. He's still really bad on defense. But for a rookie point guard to put up these numbers, especially with a lack of talent that the Hawks have, it's just it's just super impressive. I think any other year he'd probably win rookie of the year, um, or at least come second. And this year he probably will come second. But um so those are the main three that have been great. Jaron Jackson had a really great stretch at the beginning of the season and then he kinda fall off a little bit, but he's still been really good defensively and he's still been hitting threes. Um and Bagley really picked it up. He's he's just fit the Kings. He's fit with that roster super well. Um obviously they probably messed up not taking Doncic, but I think Bagley isn't a bad compensation. So that's not that's not the end of the world for them. Um, and then other rookies. I mean, Sexton's been okay. Knox has been okay. McCall Bridges has been all right. Uh, Shea Gilgis has been really good, but he hasn't put up like the county stats that he would be anywhere near this conversation. And I'm trying to think of any other. I mean, Shamit's been really good. Herder's been really good, but they're not going to win rookie of the year. They're just really nice late first-round picks. Um, Josh Okoji's been really good. And I'm trying to think if there, I know there was another one that I'm not, Jalen Brunson was the first pick of the second round, I think, or the second, one of the top, one of the top second round picks. And he's been really good uh, for the Mavericks. He's probably good to, probably a better fit than uh, Dennis Smith was next to Doncic. But yeah, right now I have Doncic winning uh, rookie of the year. For defensive player of the year, I would, I would probably give it to Giannis at this point. I mean, the Bucks have the number one defense in the NBA. And it's not like Middleton or Brooke Lopez are amazing defenders. And Bledsoe's good, and Brogdon's pretty good, but they're not, like, unbelievable. He just makes them, like, the most versatile defense ever. Not ever, but he's – I mean, 
definitely the most versatile defense in the league. Just the way he impacts just everyone on the court. It doesn't even make any sense, as I said earlier. Um, and he's really – I mean, Paul George is probably there too, but I don't think he has as much of an impact. He's the better perimeter defender, but he doesn't have the overall impact that Giannis does. Um, Gobert has picked it up. He had kind of a bad start to the year on defense. Not a bad start defensively, just like in slightly above average when he's been elite the last like three or four years. Um, but I still wouldn't. I don't think he's going to win it this year. And Embiid has taken – he had more of an offensive load and his defense has suffered a little bit. He's still elite, but he's not as good as he was last year. Um, and I'm trying to think who else would really be in that conversation. I mean, I can't really think of anyone that would really be there. I, mean, I guess Kawhi, but probably not. Um, I think Siakam should be like kind of in that conversation. He's kind of like Giannis, just not as freaky. Uh, with his size, but he guards the perimeter really well. Um, and he's athletic, he's super fast. He's always getting chase downs. It's just, Siakam's really good. Um, but right now I give it to Giannis. And I guess that's a segue into my most improved, which I think is Siakam. Because he's just a super versatile offensive player now. I mean, he brings the ball up a lot. And um, he initiates their offense a lot, even when they have Lowry in the game. Because just the way he's able to get to the rim and pat, like he's a really good passer. But then he's also able to score really well down low, and he'll hit a three like every once in a while, which is all you can ask. And then defensively, obviously, he has a major impact. Him and Kawhi are just spooky. Um, other than him, I'd say right now he's kind of run away with it, especially after that, what, 40-point game he had last week, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's obviously in that conversation. And I'm thinking I'm forgetting someone that I know should be. Um. I guess I can't really think of it right now. But those are the main two, and I think it's going to go to Siakam. Um, we'll see other war. Coach of the year, it's going to be Budenholzer. I mean, you, when you, whenever a coach is hired and then they get the best record and they're number one in all these like advanced stats, they're going to win. Same thing happened with Kerr in uh, 2015. And I guess he still won in 2016, which is – I mean, he wasn't even coaching half the time. But um, 2015, Steve Kerr won it, and then – um, it just shows when you can really change a franchise like that without a lot of roster turnover, you're going to win the coach of the year. That's basically all there is to that. Uh, other candidates for that, though, uh, Luke Walton. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. He's not going to come anywhere close. Um, Doc Rivers should be up there. I think Clifford's done a pretty good job with the Magic because they don't really have very good – they don't have a lot of talent, honestly. I mean, Vucevic is good. But I wouldn't even say he's – I mean, he's been an all-star this year, but I wouldn't say he's a star player. And they're, you know, in position to make the playoffs at least. Um, uh, Nick Nurse has been really good. Um, Mike Malone's been really good. After a lot of people, for some reason, wanted him fired, I was like, look at their – last year, Millsap missed like 50 games. And they only missed playoffs by one game in the West. So I don't know why everybody was so anti-Malone. Um. And I know there's one on me. Oh, uh, Jerger, Joker. I don't know how to say his name from the Kings. He's been, obviously, he's done a really good job. Because last year, they honestly were like one of those good, bad teams where they had a lot of big wins, especially at the end of games. And they refused to tank, which I liked. Actually, I didn't like. But they got the second pick, so I guess they were rewarded from it. <clears throat> but I think it's still going to be Buttonholzer. Um, so that's going to do it for that. 
I guess I'll talk a little bit about the tank race because the tank race this year, last year I think is the most teams that are ever going to be involved in that because one through nine at the end of the season, every one of those teams is trying to lose as much as possible. Um, the Knicks were awful. They weren't even that, but they were like 20 and 20 when Porzingis was there. And then they just, they won like seven games the rest of the season. Um, but this year the, the odds are just so weird. And I would hate to be a fan of a tanking team right now. Um, like the Suns. Every time I go on um, Shout Out Tankathon, it's like one of the best websites for you know draft stuff. Whenever I send the odds, it's like a different top five every single time because of the, the way it's, uh, the, the bottom three teams are um, all have a 14.3% chance of getting the first pick. So then there's a better chance they get like the fourth or fifth pick. And I would just, and every it seems like there's a bigger chance for teams that are in the like six through ten range to get into the top three, and it's just a mess. And it's like you can't even project nearly as well as you used to be able to, because there's such a big variety of cha- um, potential lottery orders. So, it, I mean, and a lot of teams are riding on getting this top pick. I mean, the Knicks really would like it because then they could either trade it for AD or it's just a really attractive player to come play with KD and Kyrie if they were to get those two. Um, and they're, I mean, they're 8-35 and 35 against the East. Jeez, 6-25 and 25 at home. That's, that's just, you hate to see that. And the Cavs obviously would love to get Zion after LeBron left, and then the Bulls would don't really have that blue chip prospect. I mean, marketing might be that. Marketing is really good. He doesn't get any he doesn't get talked about at all. Um I think part of it because he was out for the beginning of the season, then part of it because after Butler left, nobody really watched the Bulls anymore. But he's definitely their best prospect. I mean Levine's good, but he's their best prospect. Um and the Hawks have won too many games, so they're not gonna get it. But they still have the the chance of the the Dallas pick moving up. So they have a decent shot. And if they want to trade up, I mean they're in pretty good position to trade up to number one. I don't think any any team that gets number one is going to trade it because Zion is just kind of. I mean, I had my doubts about him, but he's just he's just that good. Apparently, um, I mean, he's the, that one block he made against I think it was against Virginia or Virginia Tech. I might be wrong about that. Where he jumped from, he started basically in the paint, like under the rim, and he blocked the guy in the corner. That was that was unbelievable. I know he got hurt now, but he's still going to get number one and. We'll see if he has the skills to be, you know, that franchise guy. But at least athletically, he's probably going to be like the best athlete in the NBA from day one. So I can see why a lot of teams like that. And it seems like Barrett and Reddish and Morant haven't really gotten close enough to him. Morant might – I mean, if the Suns get the second pick, I think they just take Morant. But I think if the Suns get, like, the third or fourth pick, I think they trade out. Unless maybe they would take Barrett. But I think they just need a point – like, they have to commit to making him a point guard. And they can't just have him be a wing because they can't take any more wings. When they have uh, Booker, Jackson, uh, Warren's probably going to get traded, um, and Bridges. It's just, and they have no point guard. Tyler Johnson's not a point guard. Devin Booker shouldn't be a point guard. He should just be a complimentary playmaker who scores a lot um, because he just turns the ball over too much. Bridges isn't can't really handle the ball that well. Uh, Jackson kind of can handle the ball, but he's he's also should be like a complimentary ball handler, like a third ball handler, basically at his peak, which we'll see if he gets there because he hasn't been great. He's been okay. I think he's better than the numbers say, but he's still not great. Still is a really weird shot. <clears throat> um, 
And I don't think the Grizzlies – it's really between the Suns, the Cavs, the Knicks, and the Bulls for the first pick with the Hawks and the Grizzlies just kind of flowing in there. So which teams need it the most? I'd say the Knicks need it number one because you can't play this poorly in that market and then get the fifth pick. Um, the Suns, do they really need the first pick? I mean, Zion would be obviously they want Zion, but they really just need a point guard. So maybe getting the second pick would be good for them. The Cavs could use it because Sexton isn't Sexton's fine, but he's not like that guy that you can just you know you're gonna build around after his rookie year. So they could really use it. And Chicago, they already kind of have a, a log jam in the front court, but I think if they really need to trade Wendell Carter, they would. But I mean, Wendell Carter's fine. Levine, uh not Levine. Porter's been really good. Otto Porter, he's been very good for them. Um so maybe that was maybe that was I was talking about it a few weeks ago. Maybe that was a better trade than I thought. He's averaging like twenty and eight on really efficient shooting since he got there, and he's actually handing the ball a little bit. Um, and the, I mean the Grizzlies obviously could use any help they can get, especially because they're not they might not have their pick um, in two thousand twenty or two thousand twenty one, depending on where they fall in the lottery, because it would go to Boston. Um, it looks like they're gonna get their pick this year, which is top eight protected. But, um, I mean, they could use any form of life. Jackson's, Jackson was a really good pick. I'll give him credit for that. Because I, I kind of thought he was going to go in like the five through eight range. I, mean, I thought four was kind of a reach, especially considering they had Gasol and they didn't trade Gasol when they could have. Or Conley. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but, I mean, they don't need it, need it. I think if they can just get a good scoring guy, they'll be all right. Um, is there anything else? Not really. I still think Portland is the biggest pretender. I know I said at the beginning of the season they were going to make the playoffs, and they're obviously going to make the playoffs because they're 39-24. and 24. Um, They're the fourth seed, but I still think they're going to lose in the first round to either Oklahoma City or Houston or Utah or Denver. And honestly, I would probably take the Clippers over them. I would probably take the Spurs over them too because I just, I just don't believe in them at all. Um. And I know they've beaten the Sixers twice, but that doesn't count because Embiid didn't play in either of those games. So you can't really get on me for that. But they're just like, CJ McCollum is not that good. Nurkic is like the, the biggest, he's good, but he's not as good as he thinks he is. Same with the Canners like that on like the 10th degree. Um, Rodney Hood doesn't play any defense. And they didn't keep Ed Davis and they didn't, I mean, like, what else do they have? I don't get it. Jake Lehman, all right, he'll get killed in the playoffs on defense. Just they don't have – I mean, Lillard really will have to step up finally in the playoffs because he's still been super overrated on that on um, on that front, at least in my opinion, after that shot against Houston. So um, that's how I'm going to end it, just on a bit of a negative note. Um, we'll probably have another podcast soon. I mean, I guess it depends. If anything happens with the Lakers, we'll probably will. If not, it'll probably be about a week or two weeks until the next one. All right, I'm going to head out. Peace.